Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 133 of Two Left Thumbs, your favorite gaming podcast. That's all I got. I'm, I'm running out of intros, guys. I'm real sorry. <laughs> I have all these grand plans for intros. They never happen. So this this me sporadically just talking shit is the intro this week. So you just have to deal with that. I'm your host, Poppies. Joining me this week, it's Ains. How you doing, man? I'm <laughs> doing well, man. It's good to be here, man. And we uh, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, we had been kind of following each other and had interactions previously uh, when you when you sent me the email to come on. So I'm looking forward to it. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, it's um, it's it's weird how weird how small circles look. Like we were talking about this before, but um, you and I, you and I, kind of yeah, we follow a few of the same people. We know a few of the same people. Um, just through yeah. like gaming and, and the the small world we live in in general. Um, but for for those those playing at home, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, I'm really nobody, person, and know? I just play a lot of video games. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, trying to figure out where to start here. So um, a lifelong kind of gamer, uh, as many of us, right? I'm sure the people listening. Um, I'm a little bit older, so I've been doing it a long time. Uh, and then <clears throat> found myself kind of writing about games and doing reviews and all kinds of things uh, online in random places uh, a few years back. Uh, and so in 2015, I actually decided to start a site, which is Season Gaming, as you know. Um, so it's just seasongaming.com and that's kind of blossomed into a bigger thing that I really ever planned it to be, uh, which has been really neat, man. So it's a, you know, it's a full outlet. We have YouTube channel, uh, weekly live show, lots of cool guests and videos we've done over the past couple of years, reviews. I mean, it's, it's full service. Um, and, uh, kind of the, the niche thing is, is that, um, it has no monetization. So there's no ads on the site. There's no clickbait. Uh, we don't even monetize our YouTube videos. It's, it's all run uh, out of pocket by me. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, and it's really just uh, about kind of spreading positivity and, and positive gaming information rather than the uh, a lot of the nonsense we see online nowadays. So. Yeah, it's um. I think when when this when this podcast originally started, we were like I, I, we covered a lot of gaming news, and yeah. you could like, there was so much just like negativity everywhere. It became like really hard sometimes to be like all right we need to come up with something decent it, was just, it just turned to this like negative cesspool of like news it's like okay well there's nothing great happening in the gaming industry right now what do we do um have you yeah. have you struggled with that at all or has it been i mean you i know you've got a, a pretty far-reaching range of contributors as well which I'm, I'm assuming would help um yeah um yeah so it, it has been a struggle for sure uh one of the things we're constantly fighting back is, um, you know, I use the word too often, but it really is uh, the definition of clickbait. You know, I mean, a lot of sites just drive on rumors or leaks or wording things in a way that make them controversial. Um, and it's it's disappointing. And it's actually part of the reason I founded Season Gaming was that it was to get back to just a love of gaming, regardless of platform, regardless of what game you like, you know, just gaming because um, it's. It's a fun thing, right? It, we do it because it makes us happy, and that's what we should be celebrating. And I think it's uh, it's very frustrating to see that the gaming kind of uh, online media sites, etc., YouTube channels have kind of gone down the same route we've seen in other industries, which is just controversy sells, right? Um, yeah, it's, um, so part it, it's of, part of this strange human condition, I think, where it's just like, oh, there's negativity. We're just instantly drawn to that because yes. we all want to be mad about something. We can't just be collectively happy. And I think that's really sad. 
It is. It is very sad. You said it well. Um, and, and I'm one of those people who, you know, I talk about perspective a lot, uh, you know, and I've shared stories on all kinds of different shows and podcasts. Um, been through a lot in my life, a lot of challenging things, uh, really tough things. And so, you know, the perspective I've always had is just like, you know, what do I have to complain about? You know what I mean? I mean, live a good life, have a good, nice family, um, spending time talking about video games. What am I mad about? Um, you know, so I just try to bring that positivity to the community. And that's what, uh, that's what the site's really all about. But to, to answer your original question, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough to fight through the noise, um, both from, as you well know, right, from a podcast perspective to uh, just a site perspective, because like I said, we don't do things for clicks. We're not the, the site putting controversial stuff up there. And clicks don't really matter to us because we're not monetized, right? So yep. what we do try to bring is um, meaningful things. So gaming news, yes, meaningful news, but also articles. Uh, a lot of our contributors write meaningful articles that are important to them. It can be about mental health. It can be about a game they love. It can be about something in the industry, but it's it's all just, um, again, I use the word too much, but it's meaningful content. It's not fluff, you know what I mean? Just to try and generate uh, traffic. Yeah, I suppose, as you said, with, without having the pressure of trying to monetize and um, you know, generate those clicks to kind of support your website, you know, you listed you're lucky enough to be able to support that on your own, which is fantastic. You're a fucking hero. Um, <laughs> <laughs> get this man a cape somebody um, it's not easy and it takes, it's not cheap but it is rewarding <laughs> yeah, yeah it would take a lot of the pressure off both both you and, and contributors to, to to make articles like that that they, they're actually passionate about and i think that really shows through through your website and through the articles that people are putting out the content that you guys are providing um really brings to light what you guys are trying to do i think that's absolutely fantastic um, Thank you. Any any particular challenges you guys have had with um with running the site aside from you know trying not to become clickbaiting? Yeah, trying not to go down that that angle. Yeah. yeah, I think the biggest challenge is you know, and I, I wrote a uh, so our five year anniversary officially from when I kind of founded the site was December first of last year, and for the five year anniversary we did a few things. We did a cool podcast with all the contributors at the time and some celebratory things. Uh, but one thing I did is I wrote an article, uh, which is one of my favorite articles I've ever written, uh, really just speaking out loud into the void of here's what it's like to run a gaming outlet, a small gaming outlet in the challenges of the industry. And I detailed out everything I've basically faced and the realities of it. Um, and the funny thing is, you know, I, I had commentary. Some of my articles have gotten, uh, decent play, you know, across industry leaders and stuff. And, um, you know, a couple X, X, Xbox employees, um, and some other people in, in kind of notable positions commented on it and said, this is, uh, tough, but true. You know, this is like shining a light on the challenges for smaller creators, smaller sites. And basically what I called out is that it's a vicious, the, the hardest thing I would say is what I call the vicious cycle, which is to, to get, um, uh, things that would have an impact on your traffic, which is review codes early, right? Uh, for, for big games, not just little indie titles that aren't going to drive any traffic necessarily. Uh, though I love them. Don't get me wrong. Um, so, uh, you know, meaningful reviews, uh, interviews with people, right. That are, uh, have key positions at, at companies, major companies, uh, you know, uh, big guests, guests who are willing, may have a huge audience who are willing to take the time to guess, right. To, to do all those things, you have to have traffic, but 
to get traffic, you have to do those things. Do all those things, yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it just, it just, it's a constant tug of war of trying to figure that out when you're not playing in the clickbait space. Because what a lot of sites do, right? They just, they have, they'll have uh, articles um, that are written, whether they be opinions or kind of deeper articles here and there, but their daily feed is just feeding into the nonsense because that's what generates the clicks, right? That they can then go to big companies and say, hey, we have 10 million visitors a month, you know, give us review codes, give us interviews, et cetera, right? And they get it because these companies, and trust me, I speak from reality here, it doesn't matter if you're doing good content or nonsense content for the most part. There are some exceptions. If you're way out there and just a complete clown, you know what I mean? They're not going to deal with you. But I have tens and tens of examples I can give of people who have been more of a negative in the space, really driving kind of negativity or controversy that get interviews, that see growth, that get gift packages, reviews. I mean, you, you see it all the time. And it's just, it's yeah. really disappointing to me that, that uh, you know, more effort and time is not put into uh, um, pulling up the, the outlets that are trying to do good work um, versus the other ones, like I just mentioned. Yes, I, I have a similar, I have a similar issue, especially with this, this, um, this interview style podcast, where it's becoming the point is like, I need to, I want to find you know, interesting guests within like, the gaming community. You know, more normally that means going up through like um, indie devs and other game developers. Yes. I'm really trying to focus on people that are working on the game. So like, I mean, you're a different story that you, you write for games, which is games journalism, which is a whole other avenue I try and get into as well. Um, but trying to get people like, um, uh, I had a sound designer on the other week. Um, I, just people that actually were like do the jobs on the game, not just yeah. community managers. And yep. getting through those barriers because I am a small, a very small production, um, is hard. Yes. you know, a lot of the time you just you just you don't hear back, and um, no. it, can, it can be a real struggle because you just like yeah, well, you get no response. Doing? You get people who respond once and then never again. You know, you try to plan oh, on yeah, something. So let, and... the, the the classic, let me get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and like, okay cool no worries you message them like hi um could, could, have you have that have you had a chance to get me approved for this for this interview like, oh no not yeah. yet like, yeah. yeah no not yet okay um, it sounds like there's more yeah. to say there <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's hard man like it's really disheartening because she's like oh i know oh i know is, is it is it me is it is it them am i am i just not cool enough to to work with some of these people but um yeah again it's the constant struggle it, yeah i can tell you at least i can tell you it's not you um trust yeah. me i talked to many 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 small creators and, and outlets and side conversations you know i just i've been fortunate enough to build a, a decent community and uh i mean um the season game community is fantastic uh the one nice thing i will say is that when you put out into um, what we put out is um, positivity and, you know, I say quality work. People may disagree, but I believe it is. Um, but when you do that, you get the type of people who appreciate that back, right? And so the community yeah. we've developed is really great and I, I adore it. Um, but because of that, I've met a lot of people who run smaller sites or smaller channels or shows. Um, and we all have the same conversation, man. It's the same thing. Um, and it's, it's depressing. And I, I talk to people sometimes who get really down about it. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm putting everything I have into this and people don't get back to me. And yeah, it's, it's a challenge. And I think it's become a bigger challenge. I don't know about you, but 
past 18 months with the pandemic, um, more and more people have really tried to get into this, right? Whether it be a site or a channel or a podcast or whatever, there's just more of it now. And yeah, uh, it makes it even harder to get through. You know what I mean? One of the more recent ones I've had, and I certainly won't name any names here, but I was speaking through DM on Twitter to a pretty big person at one of the, uh, the big gaming publishers. And, you know, very cordial was talking. I was like, hey, I'd love to do an article on some of the things you're working on. It was featured around accessibility. Um, and um, the person, you know, responded like, yeah, I'd love to come on. I've got this thing I've got to do over the next couple of weeks. And so I reached back out and said, yeah. And uh, and now it just has ghosted me, just will not respond. Um, in fact, I had one of the PR reps from the company, like ask if I had DM someone, you know, about coming on the show. And I was like, yeah, we were talking about it. And and uh, they were like, yeah, you need to come through the formal channel. Like, I guess she got shut down from even being allowed to to go on a show with me without going through official PR. And it was like, we weren't, it wasn't even anything serious or nothing that wasn't announced. You know, it was just talking yeah. about her work. Like, it's it's very weird, man. Very weird. It, and it I work is, in the corporate space. So, like, I get it. Like, I, I you know, I'm a leadership in a, in a big company and I, you know, I work with communications teams and project teams. And it's like, it's not that I don't understand this stuff, but the, the, the way it just kind of occurs in the gaming industry is very odd. And I, I think part of that is due just my opinion. And I, I, I say this sometimes and it comes off in a derogatory way and I don't mean it that way, but I think a lot of people that are, um, not the executives of course, but the, a lot of people who work in the gaming industry, they don't have prior like corporate experience right? Like they know the gaming, that's all they've worked in is the gaming industry. Yeah, this is the gaming um, space. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, it's very different. different. It mm. is. Um, and so someone like me who has, you know, I'm going on 25 years of corporate kind of leadership structure and stuff. It's like, to me, it just, it drives me nuts because I'm very detailed and organized and it's like, oh God, kills me. Yeah, I think I, I have I had this feeling as well. I don't know if it's because I, I mean, again, with some some of the smaller smaller people I do reach out to, if it's an anxiety thing as well, because I think what I found through through podcasting, particularly, that a lot of people that I've interviewed haven't been on podcasts before. Yeah. Um, and you know, like when there are people that have finally got back to me, so, so sorry for like holding you back this I, I wasn't sure. Like I've never done this before. I don't know what to expect. Or I've had people say I just really don't like the look of the, the podcasting platform and I don't want to be involved with that. And I'm like, okay. So it, it was an interesting hmm. perspective that I'd never really considered before. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's, it's just, you know, come on and talk about video games. It's yeah. doesn't, doesn't seem that daunting. <laughs> just talk about the stuff you love, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I had that exact same joke with a buddy earlier. One of the people I DM, it's like, literally you're coming on a game to talk or coming on a show to talk about video games. Like, why is this taken so seriously? Like this is supposed it's, to be a fun, fun thing. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's like, if it's if so... you're not allowed to talk about your job, that's fine. We can just not talk about your job and talk about video games. Cause it's like yeah. endless, endless amounts of video game talk you can have without <laughs> speaking about professions. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It is. It's 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 frustrating, and it's it is a constant battle, no doubt. So, um, growing up with games, yeah, talk to me about it. Um, so you're 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 an, you're an older gamer, um, seasoned, yeah, seasoned. Se gamer. It's a seasoned gamer, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was what was childhood like for you? When did it all start? How did it start? What kept you going? Yeah. So, um, gosh. There's a lot here. So, um, I so I was born in the late '70s, 
And uh, my first kind of memory was going to the arcade with my dad, uh, early 80s. So probably 82-ish, maybe. Um, and seeing uh, Missile Command um, and a few of those really old school arcade games. Uh, and then we had an Atari 2600, like pretty much every family at that point. Um, you know, Atari 2600 was really big. And got into playing that when I was four and five years old uh, with the family. And then when I was six or seven, I went and stayed at a friend's house and he had just gotten the Nintendo entertainment system, the NES uh, with super Mario brothers. And, you know, my mind was blown, you know, I'd never seen anything like it. it it's a foundational game for me in many ways. And that kind of inspired me to just, you know, at that point on, I wanted to play video games like all the time. Um, and so, uh, I live with my mom, didn't have much money at all. So it's not like she could run out and buy me an NES. Um, so the next year, actually, she bought me a Sega master system, um, which was, you know, the competitor to the NES at the time. And, uh, that just, that opened the floodgates. I just played every game I could get my hand on hands on, excuse me. And, um, just developed the love at that point. So from there. You know, that was obviously the 8-bit era. From there, I've been involved. Every generation owned more consoles than I can count. So all the all the normal consoles you'd think of for each generation, you know. Uh, was it Mega Drive over there or Genesis? Mega for Sega. I think it was Genesis. Okay. I didn't start. I, I'm a late bloomer. Um, I didn't okay. start until like the 64 era. Like very okay. late to the 64, just before um, the original Xbox came out. So wow. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm talking about uh, ancient yeah, history. You're well too. before me. I mean, you're, you started gaming before I was born. So, <laughs> just, so, uh, so I'm just making you feel a little older. You're welcome. Uh. No, no, it's fine, man. I, I actually love it because it's the, the what I do find uh, interesting for people like yourself and especially people that are younger now coming into it. Um, the perspective is very different, right? Understanding yeah, right. the eight and 16 bit errors and what they did for gaming and the foundations, those laid for everything that came after it is really interesting um to, to to talk about with people that are my age or older and then talk about with people who are like 20 25 who have no idea about these things right um but anyway um so anyway i i uh, every generation I've, I've had every console i was a serious serious game collector in my 20s in fact when ebay kind of first started before when ebay when you used to literally mail money orders to people there was no online payment oh um, wow used to send money in an envelope to people <laughs> um i've been on ebay since then uh trading games internationally like globally so i used to import games from like hong kong and china and uh, or japan i mean um and sell buy and sell those so i've had i had a neo geo collection i had 3do collection you know turbo graphics every system you can name i've had it uh and collected in and so been in the tournament scene i used to play tournaments in um Arcades, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter. Uh, I was a Halo oh, CE, was Halo like? 2 tournament player. Oh, it was amazing. The arcade culture yeah. is something. I had this, uh, do you know Cog from uh, Iron Lords? Yes, I'm vaguely familiar with it, yeah. Okay. So he's he's the host of the Iron Lords show, a uh, good buddy of mine in the industry. And we did a one-on-one -on -one chat like this. We got into arcade culture. He's about the same age as me, grew up very similar path with gaming. And it's we both agreed it's like... Um, it's something that you can't, if you didn't live through it and experience it, it it's just really hard to describe. Um, my evenings at times were spent going to the arcade with as much money as I could scrounge together, 
Um, and it would be, it would almost be like uh, getting in like a, uh, an online game now where you join a party with friends and there's other yep. people, you know, or like an MMO you're going to play with, right? You get a big group of people or something. It was like before that in person, right? Um, so you go to the arcade, there'd be five friends and then another 10, 15 people, you know, and Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter would be out and it would get ultra competitive and you would just play one-on-one -on -one, quarter up on the machine to say you're next. Um, and you would line up and just kind of talk crap to each other and, and, you know, battle all night long. And it was just a, it was a, a an, an amazing era to live through. Uh, and it's a shame that you can't really replicate that online. Uh, cause it, it oh, was uh, very different. So I could talk, yeah, I could talk about this, this kind of stuff all night. So you have to kind of stop me. Um, no, that's but, right. let's, let, let, let's, let's, yeah. let's do it. Tell, tell me about the old days. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my oh, day, so, you know, before, uh, yeah. Comparatively, like you said, you can't really replicate things like this online. Back right. then, and when you in your arcade days, you go down to the arcade with a bunch of mates, you know, putting your quarters up. Did you ever think gaming would get to the space that it is now? No, no, not not in a million years. Um, and that's another unique thing about kind of the eight bit era you know, I would say mid eighties to early nineties, even through the nineties, really, um, gamers, like people like me who love games, you kind of find your friends who liked video games. Right. And that became a niche, a click. And yeah. you were looked at like, you, you know, you were the geeks, you were the nerds, you were the, before those words were cool. <laughs> um, and you were, you know, you were made fun of and it was like, you know, uh, uh, parent, uh, you know, depending on your parents, of course, my, my mom was fine with it. But I mean, some parents didn't like it. Uh, you know, you hear on the news about video games, you know, causing problems in children and all these stories that have been around forever. Um, but it was to see nothing has changed there on the news front. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> right. <laughs> my, my wife yeah. was um she's doing it she's doing it online carers course um so she's dealing with um uh, domestic abuse uh, uh disabilities yeah. and like kind of stuff working to support there and yeah. they were having a discussion like, video games come up because like they're like how did like people deal with like depression and stuff and there's a couple of them like, you know when i'm depressed or anxious you know i, I kind of turn to video games as like a distraction yeah. for a bit of escapism it's like the whole talk about escapism being dangerous kind of came up and <laughs> like yeah you, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be escaping to a fictional world and then we're like well what about books what about movies it's it's yeah. kind of the same, same thing. thing same yeah. thing yeah in fact uh it's funny you bring that up because um a month uh two months ago maybe i I sat down for a one-on-one -on -one chat like this with the research director at takethis.org. So take this does a lot of good work uh, in this space. And she specifically aligns with digital games. So she researches, I mean, scientifically, she, you know, she's PhD in this field of yeah. uh, gaming's effect on disabilities and mental health. And uh, we talk about es escapism and stuff. So I did an interview with her and talked about all these topics. And um, she, uh, she reiterated, you know, on that show that escapism is the same thing. Like, escapism should not be looked at as a bad thing video games are no different than any other form you know she brought up a good kind of analogy which a simple analogy but it's like you know why is sitting down to binge watch a show on netflix considered a funny thing and playing video game for eight hours is considered a negative thing you know it's the same exact yeah. thing um and yeah so there's i i think they were stronger at the time because video games at the time were so like i said so niche they were much smaller you know it was a small group of people back then so it was um it was an interesting time but i think again what that's given is perspective and i think 
we always thought, at least I did and my group of friends, always thought video games were going to be that thing that was relegated to uh, a small group of people. And I think it wasn't until, I would say it wasn't until PCs games started going online, MMOs got big, right? The EverQuest and Ultima Online were kind of the first. Of course, World of Warcraft came later. Um, and then Dreamcast kind of paved the way for online gaming. Um, and then Xbox came out and, you know, they did the whole broadband and Xbox Live. And once that kind of really took off, it took off, right? And I think that yeah. that really kind of changed the environment. Um, in fact, some of us who, uh, you know, I was a beta tester for Xbox Live. I was on live before it was out. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Um, I was yeah, always terrified of Xbox Live. Still have a shirt. You, you got the shirt. Been there, done there, got the shirt. Yeah, yeah. I've been there, beta tester. Still have my kit. I have everything from it. Um, That's really but the cool. funny. The funniest thing about that was when you first did it, because I had been playing on Dreamcast and PC and stuff already. So when I saw on Xbox Live, I was like, okay, this, you know, I, I was kind of familiar. But the, the really neat thing about it with the microphone and everything, which was new at the time, people forget, was that everyone was just so amazed to be playing games together online and talking to each other while doing it, that everyone was really cool. Like no matter you, you didn't know who you were talking to, you know what I mean? You would just talk to some yeah. random person in the beta test. Um, and it's like, Hey, you know, what's your name? And John, what's your name, George? And okay, let's, let's try this. And you just be so amazed and happy and talking and chatting about your, you know, the games and whether you wanted to your family, I met people that way. And now, you know, we always talk about going online and just how toxic it can be with, with random people um you know yeah, it's, it's kind of so. sad that it's it's gone that way yeah <laughs> xbox live always terrified me when it first came out and it took me a long time to get like into online gaming um i don't know i don't know why it didn't make sense in my head but i'm like so i i go on my xbox and i talk to these strangers while i play video games <laughs> And I, I just avoided it for the longest time. I don't think I started online gaming until like Call of Duty 4, around that era. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're several years so in was, at that point. Yeah. yeah, several years in before I was like, before I'd even bothered to dip my toes in the water. <laughs> <laughs> no, like looking back at that now, I'm, yeah. I, I'm like, what, 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 was, what was so terrifying? Like here I am now talking to strangers on the internet about video yeah. games and like yeah it's just like it's it's just a weird again perspective uh looking back at that it's like why why was i so terrified like what was what was so scary about like just playing games with people like even like you know, it's just like playing with someone on the couch but you don't have to worry it's, about it's, getting yeah, your friend just on a different couch and right. I, just, yeah, I just i just didn't make that connection when i was like back then when i was like just hitting high school you know it's like all social awkwardness up the wazoo and uh, <laughs> I still want to do it. Like, no, nah, man, that, that, that's weird. I'm just going to stay here with my single player games for now. And yes. then, um, yeah. Yeah, Even it's Halo. Like, it, Halo well, it's funny because, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Halo 2 pretty much changed everything, right? I mean, that's the game that, from an online perspective, I mean, for, for Xbox Live and everything. But it was no different when, when the internet started kind of really taking off, right? Um, it was like, who, you know, the older people who, can't really fathom the technology at the time, right? Before it became widespread. It was like, what are you talking to strangers on the internet? You know, it was a big, a big thing. I remember um, I was a big Gears of War player at one point in time. I, I still love it, of course, but I played um, Gears 2 a lot. My good friend of mine in New York, she was the community, one of the community managers for Epic at the time, uh, Epic Games. And so she knew the developers and everything. And I'd play with her and her friends and sometimes the people at Epic, I'd play Gears like every night. And 
I got to know her and her husband and, uh, you know, we talked for months and months and months and eventually, um, me and my now wife decided to take a trip to hang out with them in real life. I'd never met them in real life. And, and the first thing my mom said is like, you're taking a trip to meet people you've only talked to on the internet. Like, you don't know who these people are. I was like, oh, it, you know, it'd be fine. Trust me. I've, you know, I, I know their kids' names. I know, you know, I know everything about them. I know everything and, uh, about them. It's just we haven't physically met in like the same space before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm difference. staying in their house with their children. I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's mindset, right? It just takes time for those shifts to kind of happen. Yeah. The similar thing I, um, I have the guy I met playing Destiny. Uh, we played every day for months and months and months and months. And then I think after about a year or so, I was like, I'm, I'm getting married. Do you want to come? So I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. So we popped down to Sydney and went to his wedding. And like, it was really cool because all his friends that he played with, I played with as well. So we all kind of awesome. met there at the wedding. So it was really cool like, to meet all these people for the first time, but know, yeah. but know them like really, really well. And um it's it's insane how great like how cool that is how that how possible that is now thanks to internet yeah. the technology and video games specifically because you know if it wasn't for that we wouldn't have got to know each other at all because I think we found each other through like an LFG for Vault of Glass or something. And okay. Yeah. Just 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 hit it off immediately and started talking shit and it just it just went from there. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah, and again the great thing, right, is you automatically have a vested interest in similar things, right? Because I mean you're playing yeah. It's something you love and you now know they love that thing too, which is how friendships kind of start. So it's, you're already over that first hurdle, right? Of trying to find a common interest with someone. Um, I think that's what makes it so neat. Um, yeah, I, you know, I talked to a group, uh, multiple groups via DM and, and party chats. God, I... DM groups. And I think that's just part of the, the culture nowadays. And, you know, we plan on meeting and whenever we can, we're going to meet. Um, but it's, you know, I consider them all good friends now and I've never met them in real life. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got I've got several friends like that. I think I've got a few I'm supposed to be meeting. Pandemic providing, of course, because yes. lockdowns have been up and down, which I think is another another great thing about gaming these days. Um, now that it's evolved to where it is, um, given the pandemic and everyone getting locked down it's um it's really provided a space for people to, to hang out for for mostly mostly positive experience because i think it's doing tremendous things for people's mental health yeah um i i mean i know like even like just staying at home i've got my wife and my kids here as well but i i, I genuinely like when it was locking down i think i spoke about this with um someone else talking to last last week um i, I genuinely struggled and if it wasn't for video games and like that kind of outward reach i don't know how i would have like managed the last kind of year and a half um going through what everyone's been through i mean I, we definitely haven't had it worst case here in australia but i can imagine it'd only be tougher for people in the states and the uk where they were in lockdown for i think there was a friend she was in lockdown for nearly a full year wow. before they were like allowed out of restrictions and like to to let themselves outside like they're only allowed to go out for like walks once a day or something and that was it. And they just had to wear masks and they couldn't go with any other people. And I can imagine for a lot of people, video games would have been a really good coping mechanism. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, can you hear me okay, by the way? Yeah, yeah you're good now. 
Okay. It's got a bit, <laughs> it, it got a bit dicey there for a second. It, it'll probably come through fine on the recording. I just couldn't okay. hear what you were saying. But okay. I think I patched it together enough, so we're good. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And I think that's also why we've seen such a boom, you know, a boom. Um, last year, you know, the, the big companies were reporting just, you know, really increased revenue on digital digital content and new consoles and you know game pass subscriptions for on the xbox side and psn plus and stuff and it's just that's the reason so many new people pick this up and i think you know i've said for many years now because again been been doing this for a long time and i i like to study i'm i'm a geek i love to study like industry trends and i look at gaming companies and you know i've said for a while that that gaming and it has now and it'll continue to grow but it it, it just has more potential broader potential than movies and music do um whether or not it'll be remembered the same way as some classic music obviously or classic movies i don't know but i think video games are still in their infancy right and i think as they evolve and continue to improve and continue to uh push boundaries on you know new directors and musical scores and all these aspects of music that come together uh we will get those absolute masterpieces that transcend gaming in my opinion that you know people look at and consider this is an all-time classic forget that it's a video game it's a it's an all-time classic piece of art or media um yeah you know and i think i think that's we're in the it's cool because i think we're kind of living through it we're living through where we talked from earlier right the 8 16-bit era when gaming was just kind of growing up and the future which you know ready player one or however you want to think about it um, I think we're living through that transition phase where gaming is going to really take over and take on a new life globally. And it's really neat to see. Um, so I just, I love that stuff, man. Yeah. Especially even with gaming right now, because it is one of the, it is the, I think it, it's it pulling in more financially speaking anyway, as far as I know, more than most movies and music these days. Combined. Um, which yearly. gives it yearly, um, yeah. which is, um, really speaks volumes for, how much power there is through interactive storytelling and and community, especially because I mean I think that's what a lot of people find again against a bit of regular theme throughout this, where it's you know it's people getting together and, and having fun with video games and, and that, that kind of brings them together as as people and a, and a group, and I think that's really good, and I think we'll see more and more of that going forward. Um, and yeah, like you said, like the future of video games is only just really kicking off. Like we're still kind of, I think technology-wise at the moment, we're at a bit of a standstill. Um, you know, VR's not quite on its feet yet. It's 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 there. Like we've had games like Half Life, Alex, which has been phenomenal. I still have to play. I need to play that. Yeah, game. me I too. I haven't yet. played it either. I've heard nothing but amazing things. I'm me too. Everyone to tells me why. How have you not played this? Like buy a VR set tomorrow and go play it. And I'm like. Uh... You know. yeah, I'll, just, I'll just casually buy a VR set. That's fine. Yeah, That's... like, okay, you know, like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to click my fingers and like... just set up VR. Um, but 15 but yeah, I think, yeah, no kidding. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, the technology space is where uh, I really kind of dabble in um, only because it applies to my career. I work on some of this kind of stuff, not video games directly, but, you know, the infrastructure and servers and stuff. Um, yeah. And what I'm really, uh, I've written about many times is, you know, specifically kind of Xbox only because they're driving that forward a lot more, but Stadia, you know, and Google's doing Amazon's that starting to dabble in it. But I think, you know, we talk about game streaming and I think a lot of times it has a negative connotation right now. 
um, for all the experiences many of us have had over the past several years with trying to stream games. It just doesn't work extremely well. Um, but I, I've quoted this quote many times. It was Albert Pinello, who used to be an engineer at, uh, at Xbox, and he's now with Amazon on Luna. And he said, you know, people always talk about uh, what can't be done. Um, but, you know, I forget what he said. People always talk about what can't be done, but not looking. They're not forward thinking, right? It's like no one would yeah. have imagined the iPhone 25, 30 years ago. You know what I mean? But here it is. You can connect to anything you want instantly. Um, streaming will get there. Um, and I keep telling people all the time, like, you know, it's not going to be as long as you think before you will literally be able to pick up any device, whether it be your iPhone or a tablet or your PC or anything, um, and connect to Halo or Gears or whatever game you want to and just pick up and it'll play seamlessly. Not like it is now where it's like, you can kind of do that with xCloud and it works great in some situations, not so well in others, you know what I mean? Um, There will come a time where it's, you know, our children or our children's children, whatever, um, will, not think anything to just literally pick up a device and connect to anywhere in the world and play any game they want. That's, that's going to get there. And I think once it does that, that's when gaming is going to really, really transcend anything that's been done before from a media perspective. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, yeah, well, well, once we get there, it'll be, it'll be amazing. Um, again, I don't know if we'll see it. Uh, we, we, we might. It could be maybe. a while. Yeah, might, but... it, could, it could be, it could be a while, but I mean, technology is, rapidly increase like it's it's always getting better faster like yeah. if you look at we where we were with like 8-bit games and stuff and that was mind-blowing and now we're like immersing yourself almost physically into video games <laughs> yeah. um with vr um you know there's, there's like and that's that's only getting faster like the developments are coming faster and faster as we understand technology um networking as we connect through like people over the world as well so not only are we are we are we moving faster and understanding things more but we have more people that are because yes. we're all thanks to the internet where we're connected and we can go like we can speak to people in other countries who may have a different perspective on things um that may make the breakthrough to to kind of um to get things done yeah and there and there's far more money being invested right um because mm. the gaming market is so big now and there's so much revenue to pull from uh, i mentioned this on my podcast this morning is these the bigger corporate interests right the big players microsoft amazon google i mean the the biggest of the big see the value in the future in gaming and once they start truly investing in it and start throwing billions and billions of dollars around that acceleration only increase right Uh, everyone those companies are going to be the have to be the first to do something or do it the best and so the competition in that space will be fierce and i think that's why microsoft has been so bullish lately um, in backing Xbox and saying, we're all in, you know, we're all in on gaming um, because I, they, they just see the future of it. It's the revenue to be had going forward is astronomical. So if you're the biggest company in the world that has, you know, Microsoft's ridiculous, right? They have billions and tens of billions to throw yeah, around I mean, as if it's not. I think just like looking at what they've spent in the last couple of years just on gaming alone, they're like, yeah, this is, we're not done. This is just kind of small change. You know, they're buying up, um, they're buying up developers and stuff like that and like yeah. supporting a lot of smaller smaller groups to kind of push them forward um to, to kind of work for them and then generate things for game pass which is it's which is a whole other beast which is just amazing to watch happen right now yeah. um the way it's again we're like witnessing space. it right yeah, yeah we're yeah. witnessing that evolution and 
And that's like, that's what's out in front, right? That's the consumer viewpoint, right? So we, we look at things as journalists and creators and stuff. We're focused on, okay, now they have these studios and they're making these games and Game Pass is growing and stuff, right? And then you have all the investment on the back end, right? The servers they're ramping up, the the division of their Azure network that they're dedicating to gaming, right? All those blades that they're creating and the, the way your networking works, the deals with telecom companies and in countries like South Korea, you know what I mean? I, there, there's a lot that's going on to just lay that foundation and broaden out for the future of gaming. And it's, it's really neat, man. I just, I get excited yeah, talking just, about it. If you couldn't tell, um, because yeah. I just, uh, <laughs> right. Cause I just love it. I love it. I love the fact that there's, there's going to be so many ways to interact with games and so many different experiences to have with games for the rest of my life. Um, and I think that's just, that's incredible to me. Yeah, I think another interesting thing to watch. I um, mean, yes, there's the, the the technology side of things, but I've I've been really interested in watching the business side of things grow and how how they're attacking that the moves they're making. Like when um, like Game Pass first came out, I'm like, this is this is really interesting. How are they gonna how are they gonna market this? How are they yeah. how is this profitable for them? And I, I that always kind of piqued my interest in following that. Um, has been really good. I'm still waiting for my it's gonna come to Switch first prediction to happen. Um, i'm calling it i've been calling it for years i think um the first console that we will see game pass on that isn't an xbox or a microsoft based thing is going to be the switch um i don't know if playstation will will come to the party they they like to kind of keep to themselves which is fine you know they're, they're producing fantastic quality games um and pretty decent hardware as well like the playstation 5s and exactly the balk at but um yep yeah I think, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I would tend to agree with you. Uh, I wrote an article a couple years ago. Talk. I, I basically went from the tech side to say, because there was a lot of rumors about that, right? Was Game Pass going to yeah. end up and, and how would that even work? And I was like, well, here's how it'll work, only because I know the details of it, right? So I, I wrote an article describing that, but I kind of described it from the position of Game Pass being on the Switch and, and why it's, people think that's really complicated. I'm like, it's really not. It's not that complicated to get work working. Um, no, I mean, it's working on people. Don't let me downplay now, the engineering so. aspects of it, but I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, from, a, <laughs> from a global perspective, you know, that Game Pass is the, is kind of the, you know, if Xbox Live and Xbox is the ecosystem, right? Like Game Pass is the door. That's what they're looking at it as. And, and they're, yeah. you know, that's the entry point. And so they're setting it up so that you can, you can enter through Game Pass anywhere. That's the whole future goal for them, um, which goes back to the whole, access your games anywhere at any time type thing yeah yeah i think um yeah xbox can possibly be interesting to watch um it'd be interesting to see if they they change the way it works anytime soon because at the moment it's um no it, it, it's pretty good it, it's it's very very like a lot of value for money there like you're not paying a lot yeah. for the games you have access to and you have access to them nearly anywhere like pc phone like yep. anywhere you want now um you, know, you can walk down the street and play halo as of like this year basically which would be really really cool <laughs> yeah. um i don't think i'll be doing that because i'll probably walk into so many traffic poles and <laughs> gutters, it'll be terrible right but um it's it, it's it's good to see um I'm, I'm really enjoying it is um is there anything you've been playing lately like what's what's been mm. as as like well, there's so much out at the moment what have you what have you been into yeah. Yeah, there's been, there's too many games. 
there's just too many. I mean, we're, we're, we're laughing and joking about how gaming has grown and how great it is. And then we're like, Oh God, we have too many games to play. You know, it's like, the, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's the most problem. ridiculous problem to have in reality. Um, I, funny enough, I was in, been in a lot of betas and tests. So like I was in, uh, you know, the halo infinite beta. And if you, if you didn't know, I am a diehard halo guy, like halo is my favorite franchise used to be a tournament player years ago. I'm very competitive. So I just adore Halo. I love it. And so the beta for that was just so good or the technical preview, they call it was so good that I, I played that straight. I mean, like way too many hours, those four days. And when I came out of that, I just felt like I was in a rut. Like I, there was no game that was interesting me to play. So I wanted to go back to, to more Halo. I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's a yeah, promising so... sign. I didn't, I didn't get into the flight. Unfortunately, I was, I was left out of this one. I was just watching my, my Twitter timeline fill up with all these people go, "Oh, we're having so much fun with the Halo bed." I'm just <laughs> sitting in the corner. Okay, <laughs> I guess I'll, yeah. I'll go finish Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I had to review the Ascent. So I reviewed that, um, and I'm about 40, 50 halfway through uh, Death's Door, which a lot of people love. Um, you know, we gave it a really, really good review. And I know a lot of friends are, are uh, raving about this store. So checking that out, need to get back to it. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm also a big uh, Souls fan. So I, um, I I went back to what I call my comfort food, which I started up a playthrough of Dark Souls 3 again the other day. And I, um, I've i literally just been sucked into that again the past week or so, or past few days or so. So just playing, uh, I've already beaten it multiple times with all the DLC and everything, but I just adore that game. So yeah, I, I find that with souls. a lot of souls fans they're always like they're always back for more like nearly like they, they've like play through it once every couple of years i've never i've never touched a souls game i've okay the, 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 again they terrify me i'm probably going to enjoy it but I've, <laughs> i'm being generally terrible at video games dying okay. that much and i, I I'm, I'm okay with dying a lot because i'm used to it but I think something that where a game is specifically designed to just make me die over and over again, I may may struggle with a little bit. Hmm. But I mean, I played I played Ghost Runner, which was is my new yeah, I've heard, Dark Souls. Yeah, I've heard it's, that's um, incredibly hard. Yeah, it's it's brutal. I think I died like two and a half thousand times in a single run through. It, <laughs> it was painful, <laughs> but the, the 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 gameplay loop on the on, on it was worth it because it was such a fun fast game to play and it didn't keep you out for long so all right you, you're back within a second you you yeah. redo your run and i mean it was really cool um but yeah dark souls is something I'm, i haven't touched yet maybe one day maybe one day yeah i think because i really um, i was looking at sekiro and that looked like a lot of fun and if you're, <laughs> if, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're worried about difficulty don't start with sekiro because that's oh, right, I've, no, I've played I just, I the, them the, all. the fast the faster pace of, of Sekiro appealed to me more than kind of that sure. slow, uh, slower paced, um, Dark Souls kind of thing. But I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, they're all on Game Pass. So I, I'll get to them eventually, maybe. Yeah, I mean, right. at least just... go in. I think I, I this. Uh, I was joking with some other people uh, the other day about this exact statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. And it comes off as like being um, like arrogant, uh, and it's not meant that way. But the Souls games are not as hard as people make them out to be. Um, right. And the reason the reason I say that is because I think what it is, is, and funny enough, I was just telling someone earlier that I want to write an article about this, because what it is, we've been trained in modern games that dying is a bad thing. It happens so rarely 
in modern games because you can save every 10, you know, whenever you want endlessly or games just aren't meant to where lives matter. Like, you know, you're not supposed to die. It's a story based or something. Right. Um, And souls is really designed like old games. And I mean that going back again, like we talked about like eight and 16 bit era when they were 2d and side scrolling where, you know, you died and you, you learned and then you died and then you learned more and then you died again. And, And dying is just part of the game. Um, and so I've had a, several people ask me, like, you know, I want to get in the Souls games, but exactly like you said, it's like, God, just a game that just makes you want to die over and over again. And I'm like, I'm like, the biggest hurdle for people with those games is accepting that dying doesn't matter. You just have to yeah. mentally get in your head. It's okay to die. Don't be afraid to die. Um, because there's a lot of reasons. I don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but like I, I was, I streamed my entire second souls three playthrough um, with the DLC and everything. And what I was explaining to people on there, uh, it was a great time, by the way, streaming that we had a lot of laughs. Um, but it's like, you know, say I die and then I lose my souls, right? You're the, which is like your currency in that game. Um, when you respawn, you have zero souls there. You, you're literally have complete freedom. You can run out and die a hundred more times. It makes no difference on the game at all. You know, there, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So what I try to tell people is just, you know, just get over, get over the hurdle of worrying about dying and then you can play free. And once you do that, you realize that every time you die, you're usually learning something and that just pushes you through the game. Um, but there are people who don't have the tolerance for replaying certain sections or kind of learning certain enemy types, you know, and taking the time to do that. So I get that aspect of it as well. Yeah, I think I think a lot of my problem comes down to walking. I don't is it, is it, I don't like walking in video games. Like there's like um games like um like Red Dead, which I I loved Red Dead. It was fantastic, but there was yeah. just so much travel, and yeah. I was like, this is just like and and there's, sure there's lots of interesting things going on. You see lots of the world, but once you've done that a couple of times, you're all right. Set this to auto travel. I'll come back in ten minutes. Odyssey was the worst for it for me. Was it Odyssey? Yeah, Odyssey. Odyssey. Mm. Yeah, Odyssey. Um. I think there was there was one particular mission that really got me. It was like, all right, I had to go pick this guy up and I had to take him to the Olympics. Um, in-game travel, it was a 4,000-kilometer trip or something like that. It was a long-ass trip. It was like right across the map. And Odyssey is notoriously large. And he's yeah, sitting on a ship this entire time. And you get there. He speaks to a dude for two minutes and then you have to take him back and you can't fast travel back because you have to escort him back. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me. No, this is not. <laughs> I was so upset. And I think I, I get like that. Uh, that's why I also haven't tried um, Death Stranding. Um, uh, as, yeah. as amazing as that game looks, I just don't think I could deal with the tediousness of just having to walk places with not a lot happening in the meantime a very short attention span um (laughs) (laughs) and and, and like like people say oh the the walking is a mechanic in itself which i understand i've kind of seen but at what point does that become like tedious for like 10 15 minutes when you just try to to walk across something and i think that's where that's where i sit with that um and souls again again the dying is it's more the more the traveling back through the old places to to get the things that you need back and get your souls back that is a deterrent for me yeah um yeah but maybe maybe one day (laughs) i don't know the the reason i laughed when you said sekiro is um so i i've you know i've played all the souls and, and bloodborne and sekiro i actually reviewed sekiro um 
and I think it's generally agreed, at least from the people I've talked to, that you know, in terms of difficulty, Sekiro is the hardest of all of them, um, right? Because it does have that fast-paced combat, but it's it's not like um, it's not like other kind of martial arts games where it's it's kind of free flowing, you know, hack and slash and stuff. There's a there's a rhythm to it, uh, and you have to do it a specific way that's designed in the game. Otherwise, you're gonna die. Um, and it's, it's not only very different from the souls and bloodborne uh, games, but it's, um, it's very different from anything else I've played. Some people really love it. Um, others are, you know, (laughs) I, I, it's probably not one I'm going to replay. Um, I, I, it's a very, very good game, but it is extremely, extremely hard at times. Yeah. It sounds wildly unforgiving. I know a few people that have kind of got a few bosses in and I'm going, I'm never touching this game again. (laughs) It's Uh, tough. It's tough. Yeah, I had more trouble with that one by a long shot than I did uh, Souls or Bloodborne, for sure. Right. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. Maybe. maybe. One day I'll be convinced to play Dark Souls. Um, I don't know when that'll be, (laughs) but we'll get there. Um, I think we'll leave it there for today, Ains. Um, Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and, and, and talking to me about everything. It's been fantastic to get to know you. Uh, for those for those listening at home, um, where, where can they find you and your your things on the internet? Yeah, no, thank you for having me on, man. I, I if you couldn't tell, I love talking about this stuff. I get very passionate about these conversations, so um, it's a love for me. And um, yeah, no, I appreciate the invite, and uh, hope to get to talk to you more in the future. I know um, we were talking Definitely. about Elliot and Direct Gaming, and uh, you know, I want to do more with him. The time zone is tough, man. Trying to work through it uh, is it is real rough. I've um I've found that with podcasts. I'm like up at like three in the morning to like interview people over in the states and yeah the uk yeah. which is fun yeah, yeah we'll tough, definitely have to get some more stuff done for sure no doubt no doubt so uh yeah that we'll definitely talk more but thank you again um yeah so just season gaming um you know it, it because we're a small site like we were talking about at the beginning um you know every person who just visits the site on a daily basis or checks in once in a while or checks out the show uh that we do or shows that we do or a review that we post and you know just clicking on it and taking a look um means a lot to us uh because it's not like we're getting 10 million views a day you know what i mean um so it's nice seeing new people find us um so you can find seasongaming.com season gaming on twitter um i'm ains i'm easy to find on twitter there's not many ainsley's out there um and then uh we do have information on all the contributors on the site as well so there's a meet the crew page and uh, you can kind of find their Twitter profiles and some information about them there. It'd be awesome if you check out some of their work. And then lastly, um, well, two things. We do a, a, an initiative called The Good in Gaming, which is all about positivity, how gaming impacts mental health, a lot of the stuff we were talking about earlier. Um, so there's a dedicated page to that on the site with some really cool interviews and articles and stuff uh, if, you're, if you're into that aspect. And then lastly, we do sell merch as well. Um, and the only reason I, I call that out is not to make money, um, because like everything else we do, all the profits for that go to uh, gaming charities. So it goes to Able Gamers and Special Effect out of the UK. So um, it's always neat when people, uh, you know, support us with merch because I get to donate to to those companies. So pretty neat, man. But um, yeah, thanks again. It was a, a pleasure chatting. No problem, guys. Make sure you go check that out for those for those who are listening and or watching. Um, all the all the links for this will be in the description below, so you can go find that. And they're gonna add a free website, run off his own back. You should support this guy as much <laughs> as humanly possible. Um, yeah, for those listening, uh, if you want to find the podcast, you can find us at Twitter on the left, 
underscore pod. You can find us on Instagram, Two Left Thumbs Podcast, and you can find our YouTube page by going to two left thumbs dot online. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Ains, thank you for joining me this week. Really appreciate thank it. You. And everyone else, I'll talk at you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.